0: So I love this topic because we always want to bring people behind the scenes of our life. And one of the things we're doing right now is an apartment reno. Mm -hmm. And we're bringing a lot of the life hack principles and tools to bear. And so we wanted to talk about that. And uh, I think there's some interesting little gems to share here.
1: Yeah, because we're not just doing the apartment reno, right? It's like we're doing the apartment reno. We're building an, an entirely new house back in the States, so in a completely different country from where we are right now. Yep. Um, We're managing our business and growing our business, training our team, and we're raising our two girls. There's
0: a lot going on.
1: Yeah, a lot of really important projects going on, which made me think like, hey, I bet this is happening for a lot of people, not just us.
0: Yeah, like what happens with your productivity when you need to keep everything going that's already going, but you also need to add like huge new things? How do we handle that?
1: Right, because Part of our philosophy is like, well, we can't just tell you to just do everything. But yet we also recognize that when there's timelines and deadlines, things do have to progress. All these things have to progress at the same time.
0: Let's talk about how it can feel and I think how you get trapped, right? Because I think productivity is filled with so many counterintuitive realizations. Meaning you would think that you'd wanna go left, but actually you should go right. So I think the trap that we can get stuck in is this trap of, oh, just work more. Keep everything going at the same pace, add the new big stuff, dig deeper, because that's the voice in our culture, isn't it? Just grind harder.
1: And intuitively it's like, okay, I have additional things to do. Well, then I should put in additional hours to get them done. It sort of logically makes sense.
0: And then if you, I think, straw man, the opposite case okay. and say, well, what's the opposite? Do I just not do anything? That's right. not an That's option. Right.
1: I can't just not do anything.
0: Come on, Demir. What are you telling me here? <laughs> I can't do anything. So I think I want to I want to do a series of uh, maybe coachings here or insights yeah. so that we can help people. Number one, your weekly and monthly pre-planning becomes so much more important when you have lots of trains coming at each other. So there's somebody somewhere in an office who manages all of the trains.
1: Yeah, that, so that all, person is you, by the way. Yeah, that, You are that person.
0: In this analogy, that's you. But let's just think, in real life, there's somebody somewhere, maybe a team of people, who are managing all the trains to make sure that a train doesn't actual, accidentally get on the wrong track mm-hmm. and collide. And so bringing this analogy to your life, when you've got more trains, On the tracks, there are more opportunities for big collisions. Right. So we can start there. Yeah. What is the time and the place where we actually manage these collisions and make sure that they don't happen? Is it in the moment that they're colliding? No. By that point, it's already too late. Right. If the collision has happened,
1: move, accept it, move on. (laughs) You're already screwed.
0: Right so what what really becomes important is that you're not only doing your weekly pre-planning but with big projects that have timelines and deadlines and budgets where for example with the apartment upstairs if we don't buy the fixtures at least two weeks ahead of time then when it comes time to install the fixtures the workers are just going to be sitting there and we're going to be paying a whole team of workers to wait for the fixtures to arrive yeah that's something that has to be done ahead of time right that's not just basic project planning i mean really that's life planning when it's your life. And so I would say observation number one here is weekly, monthly, and even project planning becomes so important.
1: I pulled out my Gantt charts for this one. It's been a while because rarely do we have projects where there's so much complexity, but I found that really exciting. So um, I don't want to digress into Gantt chart conversation. I did want to just mention though, that the monthly and weekly pre-planning is so helpful also to recognize that you have a limited amount of energy. And so you cannot actually move all these four projects forward at the same rate that you could if you were just moving one project forward, which means invariably, first of all, you're going to make less progress yep. on every single one, yep. which means they will go slower, and that's fine. Um, and also just that you have to make sure to compartmentalize Otherwise, if you try to like be thinking about all of these at the same time during your week, I mean, heck, you might even want to have a week where you're just dedicated to one project. Yep. Because just mentally, it's so taxing to try to split your focus in all these different areas.
0: Totally. So you've brought up two great points. Number 1 is plan to do less. When we yeah. have big things happening, we take our big champagne moments and we say, "Yes, this could be a champagne moment in a month where I was only doing one thing." Right. But in a month where I'm doing four big things, I'm going to have to cut all of those down right and 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 also you brought up a a second topic which i think is so important which is switching costs now you have to understand that there's more on your brain that's worrying you you're going to have higher fear and anxiety and you're going to have higher switching costs energetically
1: so what we're doing for example with this reno upstairs in our other apartment um is we are purposefully going a little bit slower And we're also recognizing that a lot of the times we're the ones that are holding up the process because, guess what, Demir is doing the whole design of the apartment. So it's not just we're hiring a crew to do it. We did try to hire a designer. It didn't work out. We didn't like the designs that we were presented with. So thank goodness we have a basically fully trained designer with us here. And Demir stepped in to fulfill that role. But. That also means that he becomes an integral part of the process and it can become the bottleneck. But then we have to ask ourselves, that could be worth it, right? Like if he needs an extra week to finish something on the design and the crew is just sitting up there with nothing to do, maybe we're willing to accept that that price because it means we're still able to manage this project and all the other projects.
0: If I put that all in a bundle, I would just title that accepting that it's not going to be perfect, Mm -hmm. accepting that it's not gonna look the same as it would look if we could dedicate ourselves 100% to each and every project. So you have to get to a good enough place, good enough in terms of your actions every single day, good enough in terms of some of the outcomes of the project. And also let go of perfection in terms of like, we are going to pay more because we're not dedicated 100% to this project. There's gonna be moments when things don't go perfectly and that'll mean cost. And we just have to let that go and say, it is not gonna happen at an A plus level We'd be happy for a B minus on all of the things that we're,
1: we're operating right now. Yeah, absolutely. I think that what one of the things that you just said that jumped out at me is having such a, you have to have a singular focus on like, what is the outcome of this project? Like, what does done look like here? For the apartment upstairs, done looks like, A, it's in a good enough place that we can start renting it. Yep. So because we're not living in it, that's like a completely different standard. It's a completely yeah. different design. We're executing it all completely differently for the house in the United States, it's a different lens. It's like, no, we're gonna be living there. So um, we want certain things that are best for the kids, but other things aren't as important. Yeah. You know, the color of the walls, for example, we can easily change. So we're not as worried about that right now. We're more worried about you know, the layout of the rooms that would be very difficult to change later.
0: Yeah. Let's talk about one more thing, which is just like energy. Coming back to this energy, or maybe I should call it pacing, that would yes. be a better title, yes. pacing. Yep. What I found is when things start to stack up, and if you're living a life in the modern world, this is going to happen. Despite your best attempts to sort of separate battles and not fight multiple fronts at the same time, it's going to happen. Yep. You're gonna get sort of attacked on multiple fronts at the same time. In that moment, I think it's incredibly important to keep an eye on the pacing of your game. What do I mean the pacing? I mean, for runners, if you want to run a long distance, the pace that you that you set that you start at becomes like incredibly important. And there are moments where you want to push harder and let back, right? Give yourself a little bit of a break. So for me, one of the things that's happening this week is we had a break in Greece for five weeks, right. and we were on a mini retirement. Then we came back and we were pretty much four or five weeks just
1: work, work,
0: just all on dialed up to a hundred, and. The next, you know, I'd say four or five weeks, I mean, there's really no breaks in sight, although we do have a little, uh, we're going somewhere for Halloween, so there is a little break in sight. So this week, although there's nothing obvious that would tell me, hey, this week is the week to pull back, I knew that there was going to have to be a week where I intentionally dialed it back. Yes. Right, and said, I cannot keep this pace up from the moment we come back to Greece to the moment we leave for the Halloween break. There's got to be a week in the middle where maybe I don't stop working, but I've got to dial it back. And this is what I think about as controlling your pacing. Right. Just sort of recognizing, even though I would love to be a robot and I would love to just, you know, work, not really, but I'm just saying the there's a part of me that says, maybe I could just work 24 hours a day and we'll push through. But I've been humbled many times in my life trying to do that. And I know now that that's not going to work. And so I'll look in these long periods of sprints where a lot is going on and say, okay, where can I go hard? Where do I need to pull back? How do I control the pace? And so how that sounds in the week is I was talking with you earlier this week and we were both feeling not run down, but just we were feeling it. It's starting to get to the limit. I said, Carrie, we've got to control the pace here. We've got to pull it back this week and just try to claim as much Not downtime, but just dial it down. So where we would previously go right up to the speed limit, we need to, we need to go like 45 miles an hour, 35 miles an hour. Decelerate a bit. Decelerate, conserve energy and sort of marshal our resources for the coming sprint that's going to happen in the next 3 weeks.
1: Yeah, and I love what you talked about. Hey, you have you zoomed out from that weekly view and you're starting to look at your monthly view because um, this is where a lot of people who read our book but maybe like don't join our life hack tribe, they start to really miss out because obviously you you got to plan the weeks. That's that's basic, that's fundamental. We got to do it. But if you miss out on that monthly view, you're going to miss things like this where you're like, oh, wow, like I have this the big chunk where I really need to be on for work because we were starting our boot camp. That's sort of non-optional. Well, that means that then in this next month here, I got to dial it back a little bit.
0: Yeah. I mean, I love your observation here. It, it's hard for people who haven't been doing weekly pre-planning to hear that there's something even more. Yeah. But for <laughs> anybody who's listening to this podcast, you're in our community, you know, You know, you've done the weekly pre-planning, you've probably read our book or at least parts of it. You get the idea of of taking control of your week. Now you're ready for a bigger realization, which is that the more time that you move out and do planning, the more control you have. So that's not to say you don't do weekly pre-planning. We still do all of the weekly pre-plannings, but then once a month, we also do a monthly pre-planning. And at the end of the quarter, we also do a look forward on the quarter, not because we're such good productivity nerds and we love it. We're not, and we don't, but simply because it provides us with power and we've lived it the other way. We've lived the other alternative and you cannot have a big life and do all the things we're doing. If you're not willing to make that small sacrifice of being like, Ugh, let's bite the bullet here. Let's step back and let's take a look forward for a month and make sure that these trains aren't gonna collide. Let's strategize and figure out what are the weeks that we can pull our energy back a little bit? Where are we gonna take our next break so that we can refill the tank so that we can sprint to the finish line?
1: Right, This is, and this doesn't really take all that much time, which I love too. It's not like an additional planning thing. It's just tacked on to our regular weekly planning session. So it's not as much about um, like once you know how to do it, it becomes a lot less scary and a lot easier essentially.
0: I think that's the emphasis. Once you know how to do it, I think anybody who's done the weekly pre-planning remembers how hard it was just to get the hang of, oh, weekly pre-planning, it may have taken you an hour the first time and you thought, how could anybody possibly do this in 30 minutes? Right. But the more you do it, the more that you realize it's like riding a bike and you wrap your brain around it and your brain starts thinking in those terms and all of a sudden you can get it done in 30 minutes.
1: I'll tell you what, I do mine now in 10 minutes. And I keep thinking, am I missing a step? I know I, I did write this book. After all, I shouldn't I shouldn't miss any steps. But I get mine done so fast because also what's happened is I've sort of routinized my weeks. Yeah. And so a lot of weeks look very similar to each other. And I love it that way. It makes it so much easier to plan.
0: I would also suggest that because it's so ingrained in the, in the way that you and I think, mm-hmm. that throughout the week, you're already laying the groundwork for your Friday pre-planning. Mm-hmm. This is something I've noticed about myself is that as I'm moving things around in the week, part of me is cleaning up and setting the stage for Friday pre-planning. So here's the analogy. If you are working in an industrial kitchen, there's sort of a policy of like, hey, don't make a mess, right? Like when you go to a station and you make a mess, don't clean up the whole thing. There will be an end of night cleanup, but just clean up whatever you can right there because it just means at the end of the night, there'll be less to clean up. Keep
1: your workspace tidy. Yeah.
0: Keep it tidy. And if you have that intention where everything you touch, you're tidying up, then by the time you get to the Friday pre-planning, there's actually not a ton to quote unquote clean up. You're really just doing a look back, look forward, ba, 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 and you're good. Right. I recognize that that takes practice. It really does take yeah. practice. And, it, and there's no faking it. You can't sort of accelerate that. You just need to pre-plan a lot and you'll see. that that this is happening. But if you've been pre-planning for months now, try to add in just a little bit of an intention to be that person who cleans up their station when they're working at that station. Because what you'll find is if you're in your calendar and you're not just doing what needs to be done right in this moment in the calendar, but you do just one thing to set the stage for next week or for Friday pre-planning or, oh, this doesn't belong here or, oh, let me move that into next week, but let me actually put it in a realistic spot next week instead of just throwing it somewhere, totally. right? If you just take these extra little seconds and minutes, it can really accumulate to the point where your Friday pre-planning isn't like, oh my God. Right. I love the analogy of like looking at a kitchen after somebody's baked in it with zero regard to cleanup. Ugh,
1: that's like- that's one of my pet peeves.
0: Oh, you come into the kitchen and everything's piled high and you just think this is going to take me forever versus the kind of kitchen where somebody was just paying a little bit of attention to cleaning up behind themselves.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I love that because it becomes a big a system. It becomes a system of how you operate in every minute and every hour and it becomes natural. It becomes habitual. It's not, it doesn't take extra energy to operate in that way.
0: It really feels to me right now, like it takes zero additional energy. It's just a part of how I operate. So there's no cognitive load incurred and my Friday pre-plannings are like super rapid.
1: Yeah, but bringing it back to the topic of the day, which is managing all of these projects at once, you know, I I will say Demir and I spend a lot more time sort of just like touching base on each one and almost being like, okay, are we like red light, green light, yellow light on any of these projects? Okay, we're not, they're all greens. Okay, great. Now we can like think about something else Um, and really practicing that compartmentalization so that we don't just get sucked in. (laughs) Because if you let yourself get sucked into any one project, it will take up 100% of your energy.
0: It will take up as much as you'll give it. One more reflection, and then let's wrap it up here for today. When you have the knowledge of the tools, you can sort of go between the deep end and the shallow end. So let's use these asana. Most of the time, most of our projects and tasks sort of are sitting at the shallow end of Asana. Yep. We're not using 90% of what Asana can do. Right. We're using we're on the shallow end.
1: It's a task list. It's basically a task list.
0: Yeah, we're sharing tasks, we're collaborating. Maybe if it's really big deal, we'll create a project. This is an example where it was really good that we did know how to go into the deep end yeah. because this is a project that did really require full project planning, Gantt charting, the whole nine yards. And it was great that that was there for us. Right. We knew how to do it. And when it was called for, we did it. But we also have that feel of like, this isn't called for. We don't need to go to the deep end of the pool for this tiny little project. So I do think there's also, um, I guess, a just feel.
1: Right. For the level of complexity and, yeah, and experience. So by the way, I do have a YouTube video for anyone who's interested in how we project plan because I've heard that people are interested in learning the skill. Um, I have a background in sort of like accidentally a background in project management and I put out a YouTube video. So you can go on our YouTube channel and check that out. But yeah, you do have that. I I get questions from clients a lot where they're like, well, should this be a project or should I, do I need to make a Gantt chart for this? And, you know, for me, it's very obvious whether it, it requires that or not, you know, for, for example, like a, if you're designing like a, a new course or something like that, I mean, I wouldn't need a Gantt chart for that. Yeah. Um, I think for something like the, the apartment reno upstairs because there's so many people involved
0: dependencies,
1: there's a lot of, a lot more critical dependencies and, um, just that the, we have a lot more restraints on the project. Like there's only certain hours that we're allowed to make noise in the building. Yeah. And so that means that if the team isn't ready with the materials they need by a certain time, then we end up losing part of the day. Yeah. And so there's very real immediate consequences. Whereas a lot of times when we're doing projects for business, for our, for our business, there's not really that, that sort of pressure.
0: Yeah. So I think we're always trying to underdo it. Stay at the shallow end. Keep it simple, stupid. But there are projects that almost tell you. They right. insist. They're like, yeah, I and, need to- And you to- know
1: because people start asking you questions that you don't know the answer to. Yeah. Oh, well, what day do I need to have the design do- done by? Oh, well, you know, my, one of our contractors at the store, he's like, should I get this mirror? And I'm like, uh, no, uh, we're not nearly ready. I'm like, i oh, got to get out the Gantt chart because- He clearly needs to know what is the date that we should buy this mirror.
0: It's so funny. Okay, I have to say this. We have a foreman. I wouldn't say contractor because we're really the project managers and contractors on this project. Yep. Um, But we have a foreman who is constantly saying, no, I got that. Don't worry. Don't worry. We'll remember that. No problem. And we are consistently two steps ahead, three steps ahead and catching things to let them know, hey, here's what's going on. A good example is today he came late. I was able to go upstairs and tell every single worker exactly what they needed to be doing so that even if he arrived late, we didn't lose the that productivity for the whole team. So, yeah. I just think one of those things where it's always better to be more prepared than people tell you because I think people will people will lead you astray, won't they?
1: they will and that's where it's important to keep asking questions yep. and that's one of the crucial tenets of any good project manager because project managers almost by definition operate from a place of in expertise is that a word <laughs> um but you don't you don't have enough expertise to know the depths of everybody else's roles so you have to be really good at asking questions about dependencies about what materials or resources they might need and so you know we did the same thing and now we've done a couple different renovation projects here in Columbia. And so we were ready to step up to that role of managing the project ourselves. And already we feel so much better about it. And we feel so much more confident um, that we're gonna be able to to do it well.
0: Totally. I have to slip one more thing in here. I know we're going over a little bit. I'll just say that for the project in the United States that we're building, I will tell you 100,000%, they have been blown away by our level of organization and all that we've done that's blown them away so much is that before we have a meeting with people, we will send them a screencast. So many of our clients know this app that we use, Loom. It's at loom.com, L-O-O-M.com. And it's just a simple screencasting app. So for example, we have a big team meeting this Friday where all of the stakeholders are gonna be there. Well, I sent a Loom ahead of it that was a 10 minute Loom video that said, here's our issues, we'd love to give you a preview, here's what we're coming with. And the feedback from them is like, Wow, you are like the most organized clients we've ever had. And oh, we're yeah. like, Yeah, they literally is, said
1: that. And we're like, really?
0: This is the shallow end, buddy. We're only right. at the shallow end here. We're just we're literally just writing a Google document with our questions on it and sending it to you on a loom screen. But nobody
1: needs to know that. And that's the magic, I feel like, of this method and the processes that we teach. Is it's like it actually is already what we would have to have done to prepare for the meeting. But by just doing it and then the loom get, lets you sort of like get all your thoughts out. Yes. So you don't have to worry about getting a word in edgewise during the meeting or worrying that we're going to get through every agenda item. It's like, hey, just, you got the floor, talk, talk. Yeah. Talk for as long as you want. So- and it, it ends up being only 10 minutes, but it feels like an hour because it's only you talking. You get through so much more material and w- just universally people love the looms. I mean, even without telling my contractors and vendors to use Loom or some kind of screencasting software, they all do now. They just do. Because they get so many screencasts from me, they enjoy them, and they're like, oh, this would be a better way to communicate.
0: This is totally better way. And when we can't get all the stakeholders together, we can send them a Loom and say, no worries. If we can't all get together, heres we'll just send you a Loom. Send us one back. Exactly. Um, when we run out of time on a meeting, we say, oh, we didn't get through all of this, but here's the Google Doc link. If you could just comment on some of these and give us your answers, that'd be great. So it's just... I hate to say this because it sounds like I'm flexing or saying, oh, our system's so great. But I have to say, this has been a, a couple week period yeah. where I've looked at our systems and been like, wow, this is just so much of a better way yeah. to do it. it. And it really not only does not require a lot, it feels like I can never go back to the old way.
1: No. Yeah, we can't go back.
0: It would feel like caveman days.
1: I can't. I can't do it. Don't make me do it to me. <laughs> don't make me do it. Yeah.
0: All right. Why do we wrap up?
1: All right. Well, thanks so much for watching, everyone. Um, Hope you enjoyed this podcast episode and we will see you next time.